On this episode, we talk about something that we've seen locally during the coronavirus pandemic, and that's a few big name restaurants that are revamping and rebranding. In a time of so much change and so many things we can't control, some San Diego eateries have decided to use this time to overhaul their concepts and stir things up even more. Well, maybe there really is no time like the present. On our radar, places that have given themselves a pandemic refresh is Anime, one of the newer restaurants from San Diego-based celebrity chef Brian Malarkey. Brian joins us for a conversation about this revamp and his experience navigating the restaurant industry during the pandemic. We even said, you know, when we first closed, we're going to be the first to close and we're going to be the last ones to open. We'll also talk about the recent changes at Cucina Urbana. The Bankers Hill favorite has temporarily moved out of the neighborhood, teaming up with another local venue to create an all-outdoor pop-up restaurant in another part of town. This is an interesting way to tackle a bit of a revamp for now and really makes the most of outdoor dining. And sadly, we share the news of another tough permanent closure in San Diego's dining scene, North Park's much-loved Tiger Tiger Tavern. You are listening to our Scene in San Diego podcast. Candice, hi, how are you? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well. It's been a while. I'm really happy to see you. Me too. Um, so as always, you are the queen of staying on top of what's new in San Diego's restaurant scene, even with the pandemic on our plate here. And in these last few months, you've seen a few restaurant revamps, right? Yes. I mean, you know, mostly I think it's because circumstances have forced them to try something new, but thankfully, I think some restaurants are getting creative and managing to find success with a different format. Yeah, I'm thinking, you know, it's a year of change, so uh, maybe if they were thinking about it before or not, or like you said, kind of just the nature of the way things are right now, um, just a, a dive that people are taking here and there. Yeah. So one of those restaurants that has taken the plunge into revamped territory is Anime, a downtown San Diego concept from restaurateur and chef Brian Malarkey. Yes, so much has changed there, including a move to all outdoor dining and an entirely new culinary program headed up by a James Beard award-winning chef, and that's Chef Nate Appleman. It's great to have Nate in San Diego. He joined the Puffer Malarkey Collective that runs anime during the COVID shutdown to sort of do a lot of things with their operations, but also help reboot the nearly one-year-old restaurant. Yes, and Chef Brian Malarkey joined us on our podcast this time around to talk about Anime's new path. He's very excited to have Nate on board. And let's go ahead and take you into that conversation with Brian. So your hospitality group, the Puffer Malarkey Collective, was one of the first to shut down all of your restaurants back in March, right before the countrywide mandate, and you didn't reopen them right away when on-site dining returned. Can you talk about what sort of went into those decisions and looking back, are you glad you made them? Uh, Yes. You know, so I have a lot of friends uh, from New York, Chicago, Seattle, and I kind of saw how fast the whole thing was moving and how little we understood about it. And, you know, at first I thought, oh my gosh, it's in China, we'll be fine. You know, five days later it's in New York and then it's in Seattle. 
Um, I have a chef friend up there, uh, Kevin Davis. I'd reached out to him. I said, what's it like? He said, it's just so uncomfortable. He was closing his restaurants. It was coming down the coast fast. We, we knew there was no stopping it, so no reason to pretend that it wasn't coming. And, you know, that last Saturday that we were open, it just felt uncomfortable in the dining room. People didn't know to shake hands. You know, some people acted like nothing was going on. Um, and, you know, I came down to the restaurants at 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, and I had some of the baking crew here, and they were so excited. I walked in, I said, shut her down, kids. And they were just like, thank you so much. Thank you. And so I really, you know, resonated a lot with us. Like they were scared. We were scared. We didn't know what was going on. Um, so it, it felt good knowing that we were being responsible and, and shutting down until there was a little bit better picture. Unfortunately, there's still not a better picture, really. You know, we still really don't know much. No. Um, and then when we were able to open back up, even with the PPP money and all of the other things, we knew that opening fast for a few bucks wasn't worth it. Again, we didn't feel that we knew enough what was going on and for the protection of our guests and our staff. We knew that if we sat around and waited, we would actually lose less money by not operating than if we operated at you know these limited numbers that they were giving us. And that was before we even had outdoor dining as an option or offsite liquor sales eventually came around. Um, so we even said, you know, when we first closed, we're going to be the first to close and we're going to be the last ones to open because if you run out there to capitalize on a few dollars fast, you know, it's not good for the long term. And that's exactly what happened was a lot of the, the quick instant bars and I'm not pointing fingers at PB, the gas lamp, downtown Encinitas, but I just pointed my finger at all of those places that immediately just filled their venues with people, young people who were fearless and again, that shut us down again. So, you know, that startup and, and closed costs is exhausting not only on your monetary and financial resources, but your staff's mentality, um, our well-being, um, stress levels are just enormous. Definitely. Um, Brian, you know, seven months into this thing, it's still going. Where do your restaurants stand today? I mean, are you guys all of them back up open? Are you doing indoor and outdoor dining? What kind of modifications? Well, you know, we immediately jumped on that whole takeout thing. And uh, we started that up in Encinitas at Urban Sea. And it had a little traction up there. But in the reality of the situation, at our price point, that's not what people want for takeout. You want some great ethnic food. You want some pizzas. You want these different things that really, you know, are price value perception. I buy like a, you know, a beautiful steak and a side of this and side of that. And it's, you know, 150 bucks at my house and it comes in a cardboard box. It doesn't resonate. So that's mm -hmm. really fallen to the wayside quickly. We'd hoped, we'd hoped it was going to be another um, economic uh, opportunity for us, but I just don't think that's really in the cards for fine dining restaurants. Uh, we're very fortunate in that we actually, you know, I continually laugh and say, we, we made lemonade out of this, all right? Life gave us some giant lemons. Um, we were able to open an incredible permanent outdoor patio in Encinitas, thus doubling our seating, essentially. We um, were able to get the HOA at Pacific Gate in Bosa to just free give us their beautiful, beautiful outdoor landscape area. 
where Lucian and Nate and the team, you build a dining room every night and put it away every night. You know, it's spectacular and it's, it's al fresco and you hear the trains and the, the boats and it's just gorgeous. Um, and Urban Wood has just enormous, has a cute little patio, but it also has an enormous interior and this is going to make Candace very, very sad. But I'm sitting in your beautiful eatery right now. And you'll notice there's no refrigerators here anymore. It's all gone. The retail's gone. We'll make a lot more money serving cocktails and dinner in a spread out environment, kind of almost like a social distancing lounge, really. Uh, we have so much real estate here. We're spreading all the way into the gallery on some nights so that everyone has plenty of opportunity. And at the limited amount of seating that we have, we have a lot of opportunity because of the size of our venues um, and our, and our great is the eatery, our communities. Is the eatery going to come back in some form someday? There will. You know, <laughs> the, you know it's my favorite. You got to bring it back. I guarantee the eatery will show back up. I don't know if it will be in this venue. The eatery is such a great thing. Um, I would love to potentially put her on one of those, you know, life science campuses. Uh, she's really great. Um, I've even reached out to my friends at Kilroy next door saying, hey, you guys want to eatery? I mean, it was great. I love the menu. It's just when you, when you have to deal with, in the past, we were always kind of, I don't want to say arrogant, but I had a saying that a chef had told me a long time ago, don't count the pennies you're saving, count the dollars you're making. And that's how I really operated for a long period of time. Spend money, you know, and give people what they want and it will flood, you know. Don't just try to nickel and dime people. Then you'll have a restaurant that's half full and it won't be creating, you know, monetary opportunities. Well, now in a world we're living in, unfortunately, we're counting pennies mm -hmm. <laughs> because we're not making dollars, you know. Mm -hmm. And the bakery program and what the eatery was was so extravagant and so much. It literally took as many people to operate that little venue that did X amount a week as it did to do what Urban Wood did a week, which is five times as much in venue and in, in revenue. Right. Okay. Um, so, you know, going back to talking about anime, which, you know, opened last fall, and, but it came back from sort of its hiatus with a different chef, Nate Appleman, who took the menu in his own direction. What was that pivot like to sort of essentially open a, a different restaurant in the middle of the pandemic? Um, thankfully, it had a lot of, thankfully, anime had a lot of buzz. Um, for great food, it was really great food, and for just the most spectacular interior venue, maybe in San Diego, you know, just comfort to a whole new level. Um, and then you bring in a James Beard award-winning chef, uh, best food and wine, best, uh, best new chef, just accolades, accolades, and accolades. And had the pandemic been one month, nothing would have changed. Had the pandemic been two months, probably nothing would have changed. But we had already had a relationship and were working. Nate was coming regardless. Nate was coming to work on some other stuff with us. And at that point, when you had to thin your group, we had to make some tough decisions. And a lot of great, great chefs, GMs, bartenders, a lot of great people have not returned to our organization because we had to streamline and unfortunately, again, once again, count pennies and not dollars. And we're going for 
this value and for this and what we got here, the gameplay was having Nate take it over. Um, and, you know, we love Joe. We appreciate Joe. We wish him the best of luck. It's just a lot of things. Adrian Mendoza is no longer with us. You know, we had to make some really tough decisions. Um, and it's just been it's been it's been crazy but working with Nate and Carlos is down there with him you know Carlos um, they have really done something spectacular with that menu the menu before at anime was really great once a month the menu at anime now is really great twice a week lighter more approachable fun you know you don't have to commit so hard you can go and get a bowl of noodles and get out cheap or affordable we'll say um, so it's, it's really been more of what the direction Puffer and I had intended it to be from the get-go. Mm -hmm. And the sales are through the roof right now as opposed as compared to last year when it was open. Mm. Interesting. Um, Brian, you talked a little bit about the move to outdoor space at Anime. Uh, how have you reconfigured other key elements of that restaurant from layout to service? And what kind of feedback are you getting from diners? Uh, well, the diners are loving, love, love, love the outdoor dining just about everywhere in San Diego. And so I jokingly say, when this is over and we return to somewhat of a normalcy and people are ready to get out and celebrate and enjoy the Roaring Twenties Part Two, um, San Diego, you're not taking away our outdoor venues. We all yeah. want them. We're going to keep them. We should have had them years and years ago. We have the most beautiful weather, the most beautiful landscape, and we should have them. And you should encourage restaurants to have outdoor dining. And we've proven that we're not heathens with this uh, cocktails to go. You know what? We're big kids, guys. We can handle it. We can it. handle it. People <laughs> are responsible. Even it had, like the first two weeks, it was like, woo, we're like a liquor store. And now I sell two a night. It's like not even a big deal. And it's just people who want to go walk down by the water and have a nice adult beverage. It's really, I, we haven't seen crime go up. We haven't seen the, the DUIs go up. Yeah. You know, people can handle it. So I, it's so silly to think that if I'd walked out of my door with a glass of wine before this, I could have lost my liquor license. You know, I mean, come on, guys. So there's some things that came out of this. And so the whole idea of anime is that it has the most spectacular outdoor dining room. And we don't want to give it back. And little Nima, the little coffee shop, has actually become a little bit of a liquor store where you can go sit and have cocktails with a little bite to eat down there. Um, you know, anime is configured because of the large booths. Just by going every other booth and removing some of the tables on the middle, we're within the state guidelines. So, and it's still soft and beautiful and happy. And, you know, it's nice to see that people are getting more comfortable with the way that we're running our operations that, you know, even the older clientele is excited to dine indoors now, which is a big step for them. So, you know, looking from the outside in, your group seems to, you know, have all these resources. You know, you might look like you're better off than all these other restaurants that are struggling or having to close. Are you really? I mean, you, you were just talking about pinching pennies. In reality, yes, we have one goal here. That is to break even. Our only goal is to break even. And this is very sad, knowing that half of our friends are not going to be here when we're done. So we're not trying to make money. We're not trying to overdo it. We're trying, our goal on all venues is to break even. Now we had the luxury of the PPP money for a long time 
And when you don't have to pay rent and then you don't have to pay labor, if you can't sock away a little money for a rainy day, then you're probably not the best operator. So Buffer and the team was able to sock away enough money so that even if we lose some money for the next two, three, four months, we can still survive. Much more than that, not so sure, but we at least have given ourselves a little bit longer road to go. Yeah. And we're running and then, a lot leaner on staff. We're running a lot. Our menus have all shrunk probably 25%. You know, um, you're not taking chances. We've lost all of our convention. We've lost all of our large format parties. We've lost all of our business meetings, you know, so we've lost. And in kind of the, our business model for Urban Wood was really local, local, local. And two years later, it goes convention, 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 you know. And so losing that, we're really redoing the menu at Urban Wood to reattract the locals. You know, anime has the locals. That's where they're like, we got to go. Nate Appleman, amazing, fun, you know, twisted Asian food, urban sea, still like the funnest thing to do up north. Urban Wood is actually getting beat by both those restaurants right now. So I've taken over the menu and we are really, really pushing. We've got everything from like rabbit and carrot pizza to we just did almost like a a wild boar scotched egg on bucatini. I was filleting holdover souls tableside the other day in here. We're really, really pushing the bounds of urban wood to excite the locals again. Awesome. Um, Brian, so, you know, you talked about changing up the menus, being comfortable with that and, you know, leaning out the staff and everything. Do you think you'll be making any more changes to your restaurants, you know, as you continue kind of navigating the pandemic, who knows how long it's going to last and, and just kind of making sure they're getting through these times and are able to thrive in the future? Well, you know, I mean, it's just really, really important that our staff stays healthy and they take care of themselves. And we encourage them going, hey, the days of going out and having a beer with your coworkers and stuff like that, probably not a good idea. You guys, if we are not out there and if you see a restaurant that is violating the social distancing and and too close together, by you going to those restaurants, you're essentially hurting your own opportunities and your own community of the restaurant community. So please don't go out there. Don't go to the house parties. Don't expose yourself to those things because if you get sick, it is a huge obstacle for us. You know, I mean, we take it, it seems more serious than the White House does at this point, you know? So uh, it's just something, you know, we all have to take care of ourselves and maintain, you know, it's so funny. I think in the first month of the pandemic, we all were baking bread and drinking tequila and having fun and going, this is great. And now I really feel that people are like, all right, we got to get healthy. We got to stay healthy. We got to be like sharp minded. We got to be on our game face now because now it's survival mode. It's not yeah. party mode anymore yeah. or survival mode. I mean, how has this impacted kind of thinking about what's next and your plans to potentially do more restaurants? You know, are you thinking differently about how or where you'll expand? Completely. Um, you know, I don't think the future is in the fine dining segment right now. Um, what's so funny, I guess, or ironic is Searsucker was created back in the day in a bad time. 2008, the property crashed. 
total devastation to the economy. We were able to open uh, Seersucker for pennies back in the day because nobody would have been dumb enough to open a restaurant. You know, right as we were trying to Michelin star people and launch up into this, it just checks us back into third gear and we're like, oh, it's time to give people, you know, that comfort food and that experience again at an economical price. You know, as much as the stock market shooting through the roof, we as the middle class here, we know that's not real numbers and we know that there's devastation to a massive part of our economy and our consumers. So in order to uh, be able to reach those people, um, you know, like the crack shack is the perfect venue. You know, uh, those indoor, outdoor, fast, casual, millennial-driven, cool, funky branding, those things are what is really, really going to fire right now and really crush it. And so we've had some ideas for things for a long time. Um, fortunately and unfortunately, there's going to be a lot more venues in the near future to look at. And if you survive this and if you're able to – negotiate terms with landlords that are no longer your landlords, but your partners, then the future is bright. So is it safe to say that you won't be doing something like an anime or an urban oh, wood? No, 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 no. Anytime soon? No, the days of the five and a half million dollar venue are way off. I don't think you're going to see a new born and raised anytime soon. I don't think you're going to see a new anime anytime soon. Uh, the economics just aren't right for that. Um, although they are doing amazing because, again, there is a segment of our economy that has absolutely made a fortune during this, uh, this thing. So That's okay. I mean, you just, you just take care of the babies that you have, you know? Uh, yeah, you know, and it's, it's actually kind of fun. Puffer is our general manager at Urban Wood. It's like we're back, we went backwards five years. <laughs> I'm running, I'm here a lot, lot more than I used to be. Uh, because Chef Sarah at Anime is just amazing. Chef Nate needs no assistance there. And so I'm having a great time with Mike Brown and the team here at Urban Wood. So it's kind of the glory days. And there's something to be said about that. Because when you're in these, like, you know, when we first started Searsucker and it was Puffer and I and we just started Urban Wood, those are some of the best days ever. Where mm -hmm. it's just you guys coming up with great ideas and, grinding and laughing and experiencing, you know, the guests and the happiness. And as you expand, you, you see less of your, you know, I see less of Puffer and see less, of, I see less of my family. And yeah. so the idea of just having these, these three venues right now is, is very refreshing and exciting. And like I said, four months ago, we didn't know if we'd have these. So we are so thankful I was filleting the fish the other day tableside. I did every one of them tableside. And guests were like, what are you doing? I said, I am so thankful. I am in my restaurant, and you are at my restaurant, and we are here together. I would be washing the dishes right now. I am so excited to be back here because there's nothing worse walking into these beautiful venues in the middle of the pandemic, and the plants are dying, and there's dust on the tables, and it just smells and looks awful and sad. So having life back in the venues is really exciting for us. Um, and we're very, very appreciative and thankful. Nice. It's a really good attitude and outlook to have, I think, you know, back to simpler times and just appreciating what we have. Yeah. And also, you know, really purchasing locally and buying locally, 
You know, we were working out with Bob, especially produce, doing as much stuff from Tuna Harbor or local fishermen as possible. Because, yeah, you know, the price comparisons and all of these from all the different consumers and stuff like that. But we know that buying literally in San Diego is helping our friends and neighbors and stuff like that maintain jobs. And it really makes your whole community much smaller. And, I mean, said the guy who bought a Dover Soul. But, uh, you know, I, had, I was doing it because I wanted to bring back some, some of that glory day from the ocean air. We're, we're actually kind of having fun at the Urban Wood menu where it's, I mean, it's so silly. We're, we're kind of, it's 1990s, circa early 2000 dishes around here. And we're loving it because they're just kind of nostalgic flashbacks. And that's what I'm talking about, bringing back things that make you comfortable and happy um, but then again, also just buying as much locally as possible to really support the, the truck drivers, the salespeople, you know, the whole community that we can down here. That's awesome. We had a whole episode about fishing last time. So that's, that's great to hear. You know, it's just, and this is fantastic time to be buying those giant bluefin tuna. We'll, we'll, I took down a 200-pounder a couple weeks ago here, sent some to Sarah up north, sent some to Nate over there. Um, so it's just been really fun to get that just amazing product uh, locally. Yeah, and that's a great selling point for Urban Wood if you get Malarkey Tableside Service. I mean, that's pretty funny. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you still I got it, Brian. You still got, got it. But I'm wearing a headband because I'm sweating. I got my glasses on. I got my mask on. It's not, is it him? You know? I don't. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Well, Dumb commentary is there. So uh, it certainly is me. And, and when I'm not in the kitchen sweating, I don't have the headband on, people are like, is that you? And I was like, Malarkey's the only one dumb enough to be strutting a mohawk right now, all right? <laughs> if you're only giving me half my face, I have to take it all the way. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, yeah, speaking of, we need to get a photo of that. Before, yes, before absolutely. Go. Brian, thank you so much for your time. This has been such a great conversation. We're, we're really happy to hear that things are, are working out for your venues and, um, and you know, you're just kind of adapting, making it work. You know, as abreast of everything happening locally and what's going on and how we can help out. And, you know, again, like really coming together as a chef community. And, you know, anytime I get a chance to talk to people, I'm like, if you're not, if you're scared to go out, be sure to order locally. I'm not saying, but don't, don't be buying from the big giant chains. They're going to be just fine. Buy from the local restaurants uh, that are, you know, built by locals, run by locals, help them out. Um, and if you do feel like going out again, really support the restaurants that are San Diego, you know, uh, no disrespect to the other ones, but I think your pockets a lot deeper than ours and we really need to, uh, keep, we were really kind of breaking through and becoming a, a really cool culinary, uh, playground, you know, with, uh, Travis Swinger coming down here, Nate Appleman coming down here, uh, the new gentleman at June and Jolie, there's some big, big big ballers coming to town and it's a, uh, it's kind of crazy. You know, the amount of guests uh, I've talked to lately that are moving from San Francisco and LA because now they can work remotely. And so I kind of give them all a hard time. I'm like, Oh, Oh, so fancy from San Francisco. You finally made it down here. Well, welcome, welcome, you know. Hey, oh, L.A., were you cool enough? Did we make the cut, L.A.? We love it. And so I, it feels a little Austin-ish right now in the fact that we are being flooded with people from, again, San Francisco and L.A. coming down here because 
They can eat in Little Italy. They can eat in these restaurants because that they, they're not able to eat at up, right. up north. I yeah. drove to LA. I had to go, I went up there and did some stuff the other day and I drove through Hollywood. Um, I drove through downtown. I drove to Santa Monica, Venice, just driving because uh, I had another appointment later in the day. It's sad. They haven't even tried to do outdoor dining there. You know, I thought Abbott Kinney would have something going on. Nothing. And so we really have to take our hat off to the local community, uh, you know, the Encinitas, the, even the Gas Lamp. Little Italy is just a, a case study and awesomeness on how to really help the local community. Um, and so San Diego's really done a great job of giving us a little sense of normalcy. And uh, hopefully some other markets do that. But what is extremely sad and scary right now is as the North gets cold and they don't have the opportunity to go outside and they don't have the opportunity to go inside, the devastation is really, really going to set in. And a couple of commercial real estate people I know have said, you know, now that the PPP money's run out, the great flush is coming. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, a, it's still a very, very scary time. I appreciate every single day we're allowed indoor dining, at whatever capacity it is. And, you know, just take the opportunity to breathe and be thankful and be happy about your family and your friends. Thank you, Brian. Now, as we mentioned earlier, Anime isn't the only San Diego restaurant shaking things up over the last few months. What's going on over at Cucina Urbana, Candice? So Cucina Urbana's original location on Laurel Street in Bankers Hill doesn't have patio space. So when a lot of restaurants were making the shift to outdoor dining due to pandemic restrictions, that just wasn't possible for the eatery, at least not at that location. And so Cucina Urbana decided to team up with another local venue called Julep and open up a temporary all-outdoor pop-up in a space much more suited for this. Interesting. Okay, and so that pop-up is called Camp Cucina, and it's running out of Julep's 12,000-square-foot event space on Hancock Street in the Middletown area. And that space is run by the catering and mixology company Snake Oil Cocktail Co. So this is really a win-win here, right? Yeah, you know, it's a great partnership for sure. With with big gatherings on hold due to the pandemic, Julep's patios weren't being used. And Cucina Urbana really found a way to sort of make them their own. Yeah, that's right. Uh, we've seen a lot of patios and, and even parking lots transformed into outdoor dining rooms in San Diego in the past few months. And this pop-up has all of those trimmings, you know, includes the lights and the greenery to make it just a really nice space to dine. And it even has some furnishings that they brought over from Cucina's Laurel street dining room it's definitely quite the resourceful reboot even if it is only temporary so these creative reboots are great and we absolutely love to hear about them and tell you about them but as local restaurants shift their strategies here and reopen during the pandemic uh, there's you know another side to this that we also have to talk about and those are the eateries that are sadly unable to carry on Permanent restaurant closures are still very much a reality for San Diego's neighborhoods as the COVID-19 crisis continues. And the latest major closure on our food scene was Tiger Tiger, the nine-year-old craft beer tavern in North Park, which closed for good a few weeks ago. 
just shy of their ninth anniversary. Tiger Tiger, a cornerstone of North Park, has shut its doors, this time for good. About 10 years ago, we got the space and we got it because the economy was doing so poorly, people were walking away from their restaurants. And this one, literally, the owner of it walked away and left everything inside. Um, and so we took it over as is. And here we are almost 10 years later, we have literally walked away leaving everything inside. This one was really heartbreaking. It still makes me sad to think about, but you know, unfortunately, its owners are facing the same huge challenges as many restaurants right now, especially independent restaurants. You know, they're operating on razor thin margins, they're accumulating debt and not really knowing what the future will bring. And unfortunately at Tiger Tiger, they just didn't have enough outdoor space to make things work comfortably for both its staff and patrons. It hit this particular business really hard because we don't have the truly the opportunity to do curbside pickup. There's no great space to be doing dining out here. We're definitely seeing that that outdoor space um, can, can make or break you in certain instances. Um, but the owners, the owners who owned Tiger Tiger, uh, they still own a couple other eateries and those eateries are still staying open, right? Yes, hopefully. Uh, Panama 66 is part of the Sculpture Garden at the San Diego Museum of Art in Balboa Park. It's all outdoors and currently open for dine-in and grab-and-go service. And Blind Lady Ale House out in Normal Heights is doing curbside takeout for their pizza and beer. Okay, so both well-known in those areas for sure. And uh, we just hope that, that they can make it, you know, and other, other places like this can also make it. Absolutely, me too. Well, thanks for hanging out with us again. We have so many of the stories we mentioned today in our Eater San Diego and NBC7 roundups, which publish every Friday on the scene section of NBC7.com. And you can also find everything we talked about today in our podcast show notes article on both NBC7.com and SanDiego.Eater.com. And we'll get you some of those links to Brian Malarkey's restaurants and everything that he talked about as well. If you enjoyed our podcast, please subscribe to Scene in San Diego on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher, wherever you enjoy listening to podcasts. We'll talk with you soon.